This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Canada's gun laws are facing a host of updates, including a freeze on new handgun sales and imports. The bill replaces an earlier version previously proposed by the feds and also includes a mandatory buyback of assault-style guns previously targeted by the government. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. National Post political reporter Chris Nardi joins me to discuss what's covered under the bill, how this could impact current handgun owners, and why politics may make this an easier sell for the Liberals this time out. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, we're even on Amazon Music now. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Chris, as part of the federal government's plans around gun control in Canada, the Trudeau government introduced Bill C-21. What is Bill C-21 supposed to do? Bill C-21 is basically a revamped version of Bill C-21, which was introduced a few years ago by the Trudeau government during the last parliament. And it was obviously a controversial bill. I mean, any gun control bills will be controversial, but this one was particularly controversial because it was disparaged by both gun rights activists and gun control activists for either not going too far or going too far. And so Bill C-21, the previous version, died in Parliament when the election was called back in late summer of 2021. And the Trudeau government basically promised to do their homework again and come back with a new version of the legislation, you know, basically kind of treating like the first original version of legislation almost as a consultation at that point, and coming back with a revamped version of their new gun control bill, which is the current version of Bill C-21, with the biggest piece of this new piece of legislation being handgun control, which is something that we hear a lot about here in Canada because a lot of gun crimes in Toronto and Montreal especially are known to be committed with handguns. And so Bill C-21 basically comes in and increases basically the controls on handguns more specifically and also comes in with a bunch of changes to the criminal code to have stricter penalties for firearm smuggling, gun trafficking, and a whole host of new powers for courts to be able to remove guns and gun licenses from people who are deemed potentially dangerous. Why is the government introducing this legislation? Is it just to make up for the fact that the last iteration of this didn't come forward? Is it part of a broader package of measures that they're trying to get done before the next election? It's in fact, it's it's an electoral promise. So not much in the legislation per se was a surprise because the liberals in the last federal election had tried to made and successfully made guns a wedge issue, right? And part of their campaign, you know, was written verbatim in their platform was, you know, seeing the rise of, quote, American-style gun violence, 
we want to address handguns. And so the previous version of C21 basically allowed municipalities to decide if they wanted to ban handguns on their territory. And there was very little uptake of that. And so the talk was that the liberals would instead give that power to provinces and territories who wanted to ban handguns on the whole of their territory. That never came to be, obviously. But Bill C-21 is basically, this version is basically the fulfillment of election campaign promises and the continuation, the evolution of the previous handgun bill, which is something that the liberals have been promising, honestly, since 2019, possibly before that. As you mentioned, this targets handguns. It's banning the new sale and new purchase of handguns. What about existing handgun owners in Canada? How will they be affected by this? So technically very little, you know, for now. So as you said, this new bill basically effectively puts a cap on handguns. They call it a freeze. But essentially, I think ultimately what the intention here is banning handguns in the long run just by de facto. So as of when this bill receives, if it and when it receives royal assent, so it becomes legislation. It will be illegal to buy, sell, or transfer, or trade a handgun from one person to another. You can sell it to a business, and you also won't be able to import handguns. So essentially, if you already own a handgun and already have a handgun license, then you're good. You're mostly untouched. But if you don't have one, the bill's goal is to make it impossible for you to get one. So the amount of handguns that we currently have now, and so the federal government estimates there's just over a million of them kind of circulating in Canada right now, will essentially become the last handguns that people can own legally. But, you know, as of now, in the legislation, there doesn't seem to be a ton affecting current handgun owners, though obviously because this legislation was just tabled and has to go through the parliamentary process and possible amendments, that could change. But as of now, there's not a, a major impact. One of the other pieces of the Liberals' gun control policy has been targeting assault weapons or assault-style rifles. I understand that a part of this is going to be a buyback. And if I'm not mistaken, it makes what was once a voluntary buyback a mandatory buyback. That's exactly it. That's the biggest change in terms of assault style, you know, weapons or military style. They're mostly semi-automatic guns, basically, that were about 1,500 of them were initially banned through regulation a few years ago, what the government called guns that were made to look military or or feel military. And essentially, at the time that the first version of this bill created this, as you said, this voluntary buyback program that made no one happy. Basically, you know, you had groups like taxpayer groups that were angry that it was going to cost a bunch of money, but it was voluntary, so it wasn't really going to have an effect. Gun control advocates said this is dumb because basically only the people who feel like giving up their guns will do it, but the vast majority of people who have these guns already, you know, don't really move them, so they don't feel like selling them. And gun rights activists basically argued that, you know, this is an expensive program that's going to do nothing. So now the Trudeau government clearly heard that criticism and just decided straight up now it's obligatory to sell back those guns eventually. The mechanism behind it isn't quite clear and it's quite not quite known. Will it, you know, be a sellback to the RCMP or the government, you know, gives the money? Is it a sellback to manufacturers, which presumably will not be interested in paying money to get guns back that they've already sold? So a lot of the questions around how it's going to be done still remain. How they're making this buyback mandatory is by removing all the exceptions for storage that were allowed in the past that allow you to basically store these guns at home legally. Well, mm-hmm. they're taking away all those exceptions. So now we'll just be straight up illegal to have a functional 
version of these, you know, thousand plus guns at your home, except as Trudeau announced on Monday, if you make the gun permanently unusable, you basically disable the gun completely by taking out key components, or you have the police take out key components, so you have effectively a, a useless gun, then you'll be allowed to keep it. <laughs> I don't know who would want a useless gun. I don't really know either, <laughs> quite frankly. <laughs> All right. One thing you mentioned is the fact that the government's looking at targeting so like gun smuggling. We talk about guns used in crime in Canada. Typically, they're illegal weapons or weapons smuggled into the country. So I would assume that this legislation wouldn't deal with those handguns. So why would they target legally purchased handguns if those aren't the guns causing the problem? And how do the feds suggest they'll tackle smuggling and gun crime? Well, I think that's the main question and will likely be the main controversy or argument around this bill is, is it addressing the core problem, which is, as you said, in many cases, especially in Toronto and, and Montreal right now, who is living you know, a rash of gun violence over the last year with you know shootings now happening in broad daylight. Is, is it addressing the core problem, which is, in, in fact, as you said, that a lot of these guns that are used are largely illegal. So there's kind of two components to this. The first part is, is that the government did promise to come down stronger on illegal guns, and especially those who procure, smuggle, or traffic them. So they're proposing, for example, to increase the maximum possible sentence for people who are either smuggling or trafficking guns from 10 years to 14 years, and just a variety of, of various you know law enforcement measures, too, to as they say, you know, crack down on organized crime and ways to basically uh, get those illegal guns off the streets, including also needing a firearms license now to be able to buy and import ammunition so that you can't for example, obtain ammunitions for an illegal firearm. You know, the success of those measures is definitely to be determined. But that brings me to the second part, which is, you know, is this policy over politics? You know, there's no doubt about it that the context for gun control legislation is essentially fantastic for the liberals right now, right? We look at what happened in Texas just uh, I believe it was the week before, the week or two before this legislation was dropped, where you know dozens of, of children and, and teachers were killed in a school in Texas. We have these shootings that are happening in Montreal. And I think there were stray bullets that hit a daycare just a few weeks ago. The context here is so rife for this kind of legislation to come down and have that social acceptability that the liberals seek out. And you know, ultimately, you want to look like you're acting really strongly on the weapons that are being used here in Canada, which is handguns. So I think that you really cannot take the perception or the, the politics out of an announcement like this, even though the bill was obviously not designed over you know, a week, it was not designed following the Texas shooting, for example, at the elementary school, the timing of the announcement, which it was expected, this legislation, by the end of June, there's no doubt about it, but it was certainly accelerated to be able to table it as close as possible to you know, a national and international drama like in Texas. So yeah, when it comes to gun control, in particular with this government, there's a lot of politics that plays in and the appearance is important too in the communications behind a bill like this. Will it actually have the effect of curbing gun violence? It's certainly to be seen. It's very possible. Handguns can go from legal to illegal if it's, let's say, stolen. So if you curb just generally, if you curb the amount of legal handguns on the market, you know, there's less of a chance that legal handguns are stolen become illegal handguns, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah, certainly critics are not thrilled at how it seems to them to be focusing on legal handgun owners. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. 
Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You mentioned the, the shooting in Uvalde, Texas. What was the prime minister's response to questions around the timing of the bill? As you say, obviously, it was designed well before this tragedy in the U.S. happened, but the timing of the announcement of the bill comes in the wake of a, an international tragedy. I'm, I'm curious what Trudeau had to say about that. So it's interesting. He actually conspicuously made sure, I suspect intentionally, to make no mention of the Texas shooting in Uvalde or any mention of American gun violence during his speech on Monday when he announced the new gun legislation. And presumably the reason is so that people can accuse him directly of using an American crisis to make Canadian policy, right? After that, as you said, and as I said earlier, the timing of the announcement, you can't not assume that it was at least accelerated because of the, the, the shooting, because the context is just so rife for this kind of legislation coming down and having the social acceptability that it needs to move forward and and mostly also kind of stimmy opposition to it because critics won't want to speak up when you're looking at pictures you know, of caskets of young children being carted out in Texas to be buried because of a terrible shooting. So, you know, he obviously didn't mention it, but like I said, in his, the 2021 liberal campaign platform, they did talk about this you know, rise of American style gun violence in Canada. So there is undoubtedly a link between what the liberals are seeing in the US and saying, oh, you know what, let's make sure that we use, you know, never waste a good crisis is is one of like, you know, the most inhumane, but also how to say realistic views of politics. And I think that's probably what we're seeing in part here too. Since the legislation was announced, what's the reaction been both from proponents of stricter gun policy in Canada and also those who want to defend gun ownership? The bills actually managed to successfully flip a series of gun control advocates who were actually very critical of the previous iteration. There is a group called uh, Poly Remembers, mm -hmm. who has formed uh, basically survivors and, and families of victims of the Polytechnique Montréal shooting back in 1989. And I remember after C21, the original version of the bill came down, they were so disappointed by the government's legislation and, and ensuing rhetoric about it that a bunch of them told Trudeau, do not show up to the next November commemoration of the Polytechnic shooting because you do not have the credibility to be here and commemorate with us. But on Monday, Poly Remembers were basically standing behind Trudeau and were part of the groups of advocates and supporters of this new bill. And so their tune has changed considerably from very, very critical to we're happy that the government is putting in what they call effectively a handgun ban, you know, a, a kind of a long term handgun ban. Same thing for groups, uh, for example, the group that is part of the Quebec Mosque, which obviously was the scene of that horrifying shooting in 2017 with Alexandre Dissonnet, where six Muslim men were killed uh, during prayer. Uh, they also are very supportive. A lot of groups have since come out. They're very happy to see you know, this, this freeze on handguns across the country. And, you know, as I mentioned, handgun rights groups on the flip side are basically arguing that, you know, this doesn't address the core issue, which is illegal firearms. But like I said, I think the context makes it that a lot of the critics of the bill, potential critics of the bill have been a little bit more lukewarm in their criticism than normally, just because it could be kind of seen negatively in the context of the Ovalde shooting. 
One thing that interested me about this law was this notion of red flags or yellow flags for gun owners and the possibility of taking away someone's ability to have guns if they pose a risk. Can you walk me through what these designations mean? Yeah. So five essentially big elements in this bill to limit access to firearms for people who either you know are considered to pose a threat to others or to themselves. So the red flag law that you talk about is basically proposing to amend the criminal code so that anyone can report to a judge or apply to a judge to have the firearms removed from someone who may pose a danger either to themselves or others. So basically you uh, have a neighbor, he's, you know, speaking about, let's say, having a plan to, you know, commit suicide that involves a firearm. You can apply to a judge. And again, the, the mechanic, the direct mechanic, you apply to law enforcement who then go to a judge. I'm not entirely clear on the process, but basically the case ends up in front of a judge uh, in emergency who can order that all firearms be taken away from an individual for a period of up to 30 days. And then the judges have the description of, of, you know, protecting the identity of the applicant or anyone who applied for it. That's the red flag law. The yellow flag law is kind of a lesser intense version of that, where basically a chief firearms officer, so that's the person, the individuals at the RCMP who are there to regulate and assess who gets restricted, prohibited, you know, anyway, firearms licenses. And so chief firearms officers can basically decide that they suspend an individual's firearms license if they receive information that leads them to question if that person should still have their license. Again, it's a temporary suspension of the license. It would be up to 30 days again. But during that suspension, again, the, the individual would be prohibited from using their firearms and they wouldn't be able to buy them. So the difference between the yellow flag and the red flag law tangibly is that one of them takes the guns away from the individual for 30 days at a time, whereas the yellow flag law just prohibits them from using the firearms by suspending their license. Mm -hmm. Then there are a few other measures in there that are also of interest. The first one is essentially adding new clauses now that if you are convicted of stalking, for example, or any kind of gender-based violence suspicions, then you can automatically revoke a license for anyone who is subject to a protection order or involved in an act of domestic violence, for example. So you get convicted of domestic violence, you lose your gun license automatically. And also there's a case where you could be required to be surrender a firearm during a legal challenge of your license. So if the court comes and says, well, we think that you should revoke your license, then you would be required to surrender your firearms during that process. With this notion of a freeze on handgun sales, is there a concern that people are going to rush out and stock up as you will before this bill is made into law? Or is the process to buy a handgun in Canada so complex or cumbersome that people aren't really worried that that's going to happen? Uh, it depends. So I know someone who applied to get a restricted firearms license and now owns a handgun. And hearing that person talk about the process did not make it sound either simple nor short. So it really depends on the speed of this legislation. That was a question that was put to Trudeau recently. You know, admittedly, he dodged the answer. He didn't really say anything about if there was concern that people would rush out. You know, gun store owners have come out and said, you know, Justin Trudeau is the greatest advertisement for handguns we could have had recently, just because, you know, basically implying that people have been coming to buy handguns. If you already own a license, you could go buy more if you so choose. Yeah, for sure. But applying to get those restricted firearms license while the handguns purchases remain legal is not a short process. And so this legislation would presumably have to drag on quite extensively in Parliament 
for people to have time to get their firearms, go through the RCMP checks, go through the bureaucracy, and then buy a handgun before this ban comes into play. Well, it certainly is a complex and fascinating discussion. Uh, We'll see how the legislation goes through the House over the next few weeks. Chris, thanks for your time. Thanks so much for having me. 10.3 is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Chris Nardi. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.